I'm Zach Weiss, and you're listening to Across the Cavs on the Basketball Podcast Network. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. On Sunday, December 4th, the Cavs in the Big Apple to face the Knicks, who have been cold of late, got wrecked by their old buddy, who they traded not once, but twice, Tim Hardaway Jr. yesterday. Should be fun to see Cleveland go at it and try and stay hot after knocking off Orlando and Philly in their previous two games, and we'll get to the Cavs, but... This is an episode dedicated to one of our rivals right now, the Boston Celtics. We've got Guy DiPlacido from the Boston Celtics game day recap. He has not missed a post-game pod in three years. If anyone knows the Celtics or claims to know the Celtics, I'm going to have to talk to Guy first. It is a pleasure, man, to bring you on. on this. I, I appreciate that intro. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited for this one as well. Yeah, hey, I mean, you earned it. I mean, fact, facts are facts, but well, we'll we'll start here, man. They're eighteen and five. Two of those losses to the Cavs. You take those away. They're really eighteen and three. Do you believe right now that the Boston Celtics are the best team in the NBA? So, listen, I don't want to. I don't want to show my bias here. Uh, it's a, a, it's a little concerning for me that the Celtics are zero and three in overtime. Like the fact that we're 18 and five is fantastic. Three of those losses coming in overtime is never a good thing. Uh, but I think what it says to the rest of the NBA is that the games that we are losing, all of them are close. And that to me is something to take from this as well. Uh, so the long and short, I would say, I would say, yes, I understand that I am a, a little biased in saying that, but there are a lot of stats kind of back up that statement so yeah I'll, I'll stick to my guns here and say that i do think that the celtics are the best team in the nba yeah no i mean they've they've been incredible i was able to catch the last couple games they played with the heat obviously the one they lost and then the night the game prior, before that against the heat where they beat them and jason tatum went off for 49 so yeah one day jason tatum goes to 49 and one day jimmy butler just does a random flashback after missing four three or four weeks and just turns into nba bubble jimmy Yep. NBA conference finals first six games and six six and three quarters games until the last shot, Jimmy. Yep. But, That's Jimmy Butler for you, though. <laughs> but now here's another question. A little, little different than being the best. He hasn't played that much, but he's been very efficient. How do you feel about our old friend Luke Cornett so far? So listen, I th- I don't know if anyone I don't know if he did this in Cleveland, but the we're calling it the corn test. There have been multiple situations. I'm talking probably three, four a game. He's not playing a ton of minutes right around like the 10 minute mark. Uh, But he has been pretty solid off of the bench for the Celtics with the absence of Robert Williams. Uh, But one of the things that has kind of driven me nuts is Luke Cornett is jumping, trying to contest a three point shot 15 feet away from the person (laughs) shooting. I don't know if that is a, a newfound thing for Luke Cornett, if, if he did that in Cleveland, uh, but it is, it is, it is wild. The stats are backing it up that it's working. I don't really believe the stats. I think it's all luck that the people keep missing, but it's, it's working, I guess. So yeah, I, I personally love Luke Cornett though. I think he's been a, 
I can't say a good addition because he's been with the Celtics for a little bit here, but it, he's filling a role that has been desperately needed. So going to take that in stride. Yeah, I don't think he was doing this corn testing or he's doing the Zion, but going straight up and down instead of going towards the shooter. But I, I'm talking like he's a good 15 feet away. Like he I is saw the in video the paint. Of, uh, who was it the other day? I He didn't move an inch. He just went straight up, but they missed. And then I saw the video circulating. But Yeah, it is, a, it is a spectacle to see. It's fun. I mean, the, the Celtics bigs alone are quite the unique group outside of Forford and the injured Rob Williams. You got Luke Cornett, who's making his name for himself again. You brought Noah Vonley in out of an, a little NBA hiatus. You got another old mate, Cabin Gelly, who I think should merit more minutes. I guess we'll see what happens there. They're probably content with what they have, but he's a guy that I think is the best outside shooter of all the bigs on the Celtics roster, excluding Al Horford. But nonetheless, nonetheless. Okay, so uh, to end then on my side of things, I think Boston has potential to be the best team. And yes, you've got the likely MVP favorite in a crazy race. And Tatum was averaging 31, 8, and 4, shooting 48%. And he's been, he's been incredible. Jalen Brown has really turned it on as well. He's continued to. He's shooting 51%. Averaging twenty-seven and seven. One Marcus. thing. One thing I will say about this. Sorry to sorry to cut you off. I don't know. Right. I don't know how legitimate NBA.com is with their MVP races, uh, but they put out a stat yesterday, and the top ten MVP candidates. Jason Tatum was number one. He's been there for the last couple of weeks. But if you looked at the bottom of that list, at number ten was Jalen Brown. So this to me is kind of where the Celtics are separating themselves because there are very few teams in the league where you're even getting close to those numbers. And obviously it's early in the season and the Celtics got off to a a very good start at 18 and five and have kind of been rolling through most of the league minus your Cavaliers. Yes, sir. Uh, But it's been, it's been fun to watch two guys, you know, Jason Tatum, obviously averaging 30 being that lead candidate, but Jalen Brown's, you know, quietly putting up a, a very, very efficient offensive season as well, averaging 26. So it's been a it's been a fun season to watch for sure. I think it's finally going to move to a no longer be doing it quietly and actually doing it consistently and a little louder over the course of games. I think he'll finally start to get his due. And also, Marcus Smart, I think, is a lot better than 12 points and seven assists a game. I just watch. Every time I look at a box, I feel like he has 20 points. And four steals. So whatever his numbers are, probably wrong. Whatever his averages are, I don't believe in them. Just the same way I believe Dirk Nowitzki would never miss a shot. Even <laughs> when, I, when I watched it, he missed. I block it from my mind. Because that yeah. dude, yeah. just like watching KD in person twice this week, averaged 41 and a half and only missed nine shots over those two games. But anyway, you talk about the, the losses to the Cavs, who outside of a five-game losing streak, we've been incredible this season, looking to pick up a third in a row now against the Knicks. As far as how well they've played since those games, Guy, how important do you think it was? Or maybe not important. Maybe it was just gave them a sense of urgency. Losing to the Cavs twice, what do you think that did for Boston? So, listen, the Celtics came into the season with every excuse, every reason not to get off to a hot start with the whole Ime Adoka scandal, with Robert Williams going down, with Gallinari going down. Like, the Celtics came in with a million reasons to – start this season slow similar to what we saw last year we were you know under 500 in january and the celtics battled through all of that 
And Cleveland was no, like, was the exact same situation, right? Like Cleveland came in, they beat us up. And then the Celtics, after one of those losses, you know, rattled off a, a nine game win streak. And then after another, we went on and continued. Like we went on a, a 14 and one streak at one point throughout this season. Uh, so it's the Celtics, I think, understand the urgency of what they have here. Like they understand that they just made it to the NBA finals last year. They can't take teams lightly. And I don't know. I don't think that's the case with the Cavaliers. Like I think the Cavaliers came into this season with as high of expectations as they've had since, you know, the LeBron James era, right? Like the Cavaliers have a very good team this year. Uh, I don't like saying that, but it's the, it's the truth. Like, obviously it's a, of course, yeah. it's a, it's a tough team, right? Like they, they're fast, they're athletic. You've got some great bigs there too, that, you know, help this team immensely. It's a, it's a tough team to beat. And when you look at the way they match up with the Celtics, you know, in a situation where we have Robert Williams and it's healthy, the matchup is better but it's still a tough matchup regardless, you know, having Jared Allen and Mobley when you're not, when you don't have a guy like Robert Williams in the paint to really switch on a lot of these screens, both of those guys are super athletic. So it poses a, a pretty big problem for a team like the Celtics. And that's kind of been, you know, honestly, look at the other loss too. We lost to Miami yesterday and not that, you know, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are the same player as Bam, right? But if you look at the the persona, it's a mobile athletic big. And that's the t- type of team that the Celtics have struggled with, especially in the absence of Robert Williams. So I think it's one of those things that the Celtics need to just continue to try and work through Luke Cornett. As good as he has been in spurts, he's not a guy that can go up and match up against any of those three bigs that I just mentioned. So it's just a, it's something that the Celtics need to continue to work through. Yeah. This ain't 2K. If it was 2K, put Luke Cornett at center and you will not lose a game. But <laughs> we will have more after this, folks, following a quick word from DraftKings. The NBA season is heating up and there are still so many unknown factors. Like how many games the Cavs are going to win? Who's going to win the East? I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet, with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money on any NBA team to win their game. You get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings. Stepped up, same game parlays. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost the bigger your shot to win big. I'm looking right now to pick the Cavs to beat the Knicks today and then the Lakers and the Kings in the next two. Might even think about going SGP. Mitchell points, Garland assists. Why not? So download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back, folks. 
across the Cavs with Guy DiPosito, Zach Weiss here as always. And Guy makes some good points, you know, about the, the versatility of the Cavs front court, who unfortunately cannot stay healthy right now. The Cavs were to play the Celtics this week. We would probably not see Jared Allen, Kevin Love finally back from a thumb issue. We just lost Dean Wade for several weeks to a shoulder injury and just his second game back from a previous injury. So while the wins are great and I'm excited about it, the Cavs still have not had a game where every single person has been available since Darius got hurt about what, 10 minutes into the opener when Gary Trent Jr. wanted to do a science experiment and see how far he could poke up Darius's eye. And <laughs> it, it took a bit of time for it to come around. Darius had some slow games as a result. And as soon as we got Lamar, Lavert, Love, Okoro, everyone together, Dean says... Well, it's not his fault he got hurt, but it, it stinks because he had been starting. Now it's going to be another new starting lineup. But, you know, we'll see what, what ends up happening. And also, just from a Celtics perspective, if you only watch Cavs Celtics this year, what would your thoughts be on Karis LeVert scoring 41 and then one in, in, in those games? Because we, we see it very differently than, than you likely do. So, listen, I'm a, I'm a Karis LeVert fan. And not in the traditional sense. Like I, I genuinely hate him because of what <laughs> he does to the Celtics every single time we play him. Uh, it's not just with the Cavaliers. Like we've got a we've got a list here in Celtics Nation of Celtics killers. Just those guys that every time we seem to play them, they go off and just kill us. And Karis Levert is on that list for whatever reason. Ish Smith, who. Honestly, most most listeners probably don't even know. But for whatever reason, Ish Smith, every time we play him, continues to kill us. Karis LeVert is on that list, too. Um, so I, I like his game. I just don't like playing him. That's fair. So I'm looking in. LeVert, if folks forget, had his 50-point game with the Nets against Boston. Then the 40-point game makes it two yep. of those. And, and I do see the rest, but he's consistently in the teens outside that. He scored single digits once against you guys. But it's like he shoots threes decently well, gets to the free throw line. So just, just for an update here, the Celt you guys blew out Indiana last January. Levert has had a positive plus-minus in seven of the 12 games. And in the ones where he's been a negative plus-minus has not scored more than 16. So essentially, folks, and if, if we trade Levert this year, wherever you go, Karis, if you have a positive plus minus, you're going to score a lot more points than if you have a negative plus minus. Just be Naturally. effective. Just, be, just make the first basket, come out of the game, let the team fall behind, come back in, score 20 straight, just like you did in 2020 and again in 2022. You guys better not, you guys better not trade Levert because ah. if you do – it's over. It's over. <laughs> they got too many wings. I mean, it, with all due respect, Karras is a good basketball player, but I don't think with the situation he's in right now, he's a great one. I mean, I, I, as soon as he got to Cleveland, I saw him as a viable closing option, given that it was just him and Darius last year with Sexton being out. We didn't have Mitchell. Yeah. Markinen was not the best clutch player, though he did have a uh, game-sealing three against the Thunder midseason. We saw last night against... Portland for Utah. He is certainly not a closer. He's had his moments, but three turnovers in the last two and a half minutes was yikes. Come on. You're better than that. Lowry was especially averaging 23 and eight, which are career highs. And 
almost career high in rebounds. Anyway, though, Levert, with all the wings the Cavs have, he's probably the least efficient. He shoots the most. If Lamar Stevens or Dean Wade shot as much as Levert, only Levert would be the second best wing there. I think so, Steven. Oh, go ahead. Just to just to bring this to a, a Celtics thing, just just so you have a, a frame of reference, the Celtics they put out a stat the other day in the Eastern Conference. They put out the top six three point shooters in the entire Eastern Conference. Five of those players were on the Celtics. Neither of them were Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. <laughs> so I I get I get what you're saying as far as like efficiency goes. But when you have higher volume, more often than not, they're heavily contested and you're facing a better defender. So in Karis LeVert's instance, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that Karis LeVert is on the same same level as Jason Tatum, an MVP candidate, but in most circumstances, the guys that shoot more, unless they're, you know, world-class shooters, the volume, I mean, the efficiency is not going to be there all the time. So I don't know. It, it is. It, it was a wild stat to see five Celtics players in the top six in the Eastern Conference. Honestly, they were the top five. I don't know why they put up George's Niang. Uh, shout the, out George Niang, the silent S, because he's he, a killer. I, I never seen him miss either. Have you yeah, ever I mean, to miss. me, it's like, why not just put the top five and then leave it there? I feel like they just needed to needed to show that there was someone else. <laughs> It was a Sixers Not fan. on the Celtics. It was, was a, well, but, it was yeah. a Sixers fan, former Jazz fan, former Niang in college fan. Yeah. And also, I didn't actually see this before. Um, I might need to be pinched here. I'm just going to read these top five. And also note that the Celtics have three additional guys who don't shoot many threes, but are all at exactly 40. Malcolm Brogdon, 49. Al Horford, 47-6. Sam Hauser, 47-5. And they, these guys shoot with regularity. Grant Williams, 45. What? And Derek White, about 45 as well. I, I mean, I, I'll just say this. Good job finding Sam Hauser. Good trade for Malcolm Brogdon. Al Horford's too old to shoot inside the arc very much anymore, so you'll take the threes from him. Grant Williams I, didn't even come into the league with a shot. I didn't he miss his first, like, 25 as a rookie, and now he's he, shooting he 46. And... Well, I mean, last year, too. Last year, that was the biggest revelation in his game. He came in and last year and shot 40% from three. And this year, I mean, it's a short season. Like, we're obviously only 23 games into it at this point. So all of those numbers will, you know, come down to earth at some point. But what I'm what I'm loving about the Celtics, and the Cavs do a good job of this, too, is the Celtics are just moving the ball so much better. And when you have guys like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, that, you know, cause so much gravity, like they are taking everybody into them, they kick out for a lot of wide open shots. So a lot of these guys, if you look across the league, their expected three-point percentage isn't far off of what they're shooting because of how wide open their shots really are. So again, I'm not expecting anyone to shoot 45% from three for the season, but the fact that we've got, you know, four or five guys that are up in that range, it's, it's telling to how efficient this offense has been. Or, you know, there is another option here and they, they, they did put the work in, but could it also be that lethal shooter moved to Boston and is taking up residence in TD garden when they're not playing there? 
I mean, it's it's certainly certainly possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it's extremely impressive, and they're obviously a scary team. Who personally, though, given what we've talked about and how well they have been, and you 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 might feel differently, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't. <laughs> But if they were to go in a seven-game series in the second round, I could see a scenario where the Cavs some way, somehow win in seven in advance. Just because, and this could, I could very well just be crazy here because I do remember when the Mason Plumley Nets and the Brooke Lopez, whenever Plumley and Lopez had that battle for minutes, the Nets swept the heat in the regular season, got swept in the playoffs, whatever. I do feel confident enough in the Cavs' ability at least right now, when adding a big-name guy like Mitchell, and we'll see when everyone's on the court together and Rubio is back too, where the Cavs could stun Boston in a series. Now, you probably feel differently, and I'll hear, hear that in a second. So, but it, The way I look at it, in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks are the – and this is no offense to you. like I would say the Milwaukee Bucks are a, a different level. Cavaliers are not far behind. Oh no, I have the Bucks as the Cav- favorite too. Yeah, so, so the, the Cavaliers to me, they're all like similar to Miami, and Miami's not having a good season record-wise, but for whatever reason, the Cavs and Miami are two teams that I just I personally don't love the matchup. And this is again, we haven't we're 23 games into the season for the Celtics. We have been without our all NBA defensive center uh all season long so far. And honestly, like the defense is great as the offense has been like on a historic pace to break the all time record for offensive efficiency, the Celtics defense, which was number one in the league last year, sits around 14 right now. Like our defense has not been nearly as good as it was. And, you know, you kind of pointed it out, Al Horford's aging, so he's not as efficient he's a great great team defender but when you're missing sort of the anchor of that defense in Robert Williams it shifts the way that the Celtics have to play defense so when he comes back I don't I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I think that the Cavs will beat the Celtics in seven I'm not I don't think that's the case but I think it's too early to really determine because neither of us Cavs or Celtics have had a a full healthy team all season long. Uh, So to me, it's, it's hard to throw any predictions out because we don't really, as Celtics fans, we don't really know what Robert Williams is going to come back. Like he's had a, an injury history throughout his career. He's kind of been plagued with it. This this surgery that he had seemed to be, you know, precautionary it was more of a let's just deal with it now and not have to deal with it later like when it actually counts um so i'm hoping that he comes back and everything is good and if the celtics keep winning the way that they are they hold the the league's highest scoring differential uh it gives us the ability to you know play him 25 minutes instead of 35 minutes Similar to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, if you looked at last year in the playoffs, mainly the finals, they got winded. Like they were exhausted because they played so many games and they did it to themselves. Like they played, they pushed every series minus that net series that we swept them. They pushed every series to seven games. 
And that, you know, plays a toll. It puts a toll on players. So it's interesting like to see how the Celtics will look from a defensive standpoint when Robert Williams comes back and if we can continue at the offensive efficiency that we've been playing at. Yeah, and 23 playoff games, which is what they had last year, rather 24 playoff games is more than a quarter of a season and very nearly a third of a regular season. So they almost had to play a third of a year in that postseason in trying to get that title and eventually just wore down. And now we're only this guy. You know, Celtics are 18 and five now. They were about 500 for the first 50 games or 40 some odd games last season. Yep. And strictly from a coach perspective, not an off the court perspective. Do you believe that the coaching change and having Missoula rather than Udoka is the reason for this year's hot start versus last year's cold start? Or can we not really say that? So last year, Ime Udoka, and I'll give him credit. Like I'm, I think he's done in the NBA. I think he's definitely done with the Celtics, but I honestly don't see him back in the NBA in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was a defensive wizard. He was very smart and his entire game plan revolved around defense and that really served us well. Like it got us to the NBA finals, but it was something where you look at the way that the Celtics were playing defense last year. It was switch everything. Absolutely. Everything. There was no falling behind screens. It was okay. You're running through a screen. We're switching and credit to Joe, like credit to Ime Udoka. uh, He had the personnel to go out and do that. Again, a lot of that has to do with Robert Williams and his freak athleticism. Uh, But he didn't really focus as much on the X's and O's and the offense. So this year we come into it and it's just been, it's completely shifted. The offense is through the roof, but without Robert Williams, the defense has kind of been held back. So it takes a long time to adjust to defensive schemes it doesn't take as much time to adjust on the offensive side when you have a ton of offensive talent so i think i don't think that one coach is necessarily better than the other they just preach different things and personnel wise right now offensively it's just significantly easier because you've got two you know stars in the league that can run an offense and you've got Marcus Smart, who, as you mentioned, like has stepped up in a major way. His career high in assists, like he's playing at a very high level this season. So it's just a it's a mindset shift. And from an offensive standpoint, I just think it's it's a little bit easier to adjust to that than it was on the defensive end. Yeah, yeah. You take out Rob Williams, it's definitely different, but it also allows you to have more versatile offensive players. But I am excited to see Rob come back. It took him until his third year to become a rotational big, and he was still kind of coming off the bench here and there for Tristan Thompson and Swearer. The two of them oh. were switching, and I know, I know, no hate for Tristan. That was a, that was a gross time in Celtics history. I right, no comment. I love Tristan Thompson, but every other <laughs> team that's not the Cavs would agree. Once he stepped on the court for them, it was not good. He played yeah. two games for the Pacers and they're like, peace. Then he went to Chicago and then he can't. No, no, I'm not, not going to, I'm not going to go down the Tristan wormhole. I still <laughs> like him. I would welcome him back in a much smaller role, but nonetheless, it makes sense. He wasn't the same guy in other locker rooms, other teams. 
But here, here's my here's my final thought for you, final question here, guys. The Celtics have a tough schedule this week. Got the Nets today on the road. You're at Toronto, and then you're at Phoenix Wednesday. So you got three games in four days all on the road against three teams that are certainly going to be in the playoff mix, that want to be in the contender mix. What do you see the Celtics coming out of these three games with what record? So it's going to be telling because Brooklyn has played better as of late. Toronto always seems to scare me. Phoenix is really good. But you look at the big picture, it's actually six straight road games. And after Phoenix, it goes to Golden State. And then it goes to the Clippers. The Lakers round out that. So, like, it is a grueling two-week stretch for the Celtics. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying it's the dog days of the NBA week for the Celtics. That's tough. It's it's a it's a very, very hard stretch of basketball, all being away. And honestly, it's all over the map. Like, they're traveling a ton during that stretch. So, for them, like, if they can walk out of this with – like a four and two record, I'm going to be thrilled. I would not be surprised if it was three and three. And I, I don't want Celtics fans, not that a ton of them will probably be listening to this, but I don't think that, I don't think that the Celtics are really going to go out and, you know, go six and oh, I think that's unrealistic. I don't like even five and one to me seems unrealistic strictly because of, you know, the back-to-backs that we have where, you know, We've got the back-to-back Brooklyn, Toronto, and then we have a back-to-back Clippers, Lakers. Fortunately for the Celtics, Toronto is the back end of the the back-to-back. The Lakers are the back end of the back-to-back as well. So it's a situation where they're in a good spot to help and win on those back-to-backs, but it's also just a very tough schedule for them coming up. That's fair. I'll take, I'll, I'll run through quick. I'll take Nets win today, but then the Celtics beat Toronto, Phoenix, Golden State, and the Clippers four in a row. And then I think the Lakers, we just saw beat the Bucks the other day. I, I'll take the Lakers there. I think AD is going to, I mean, Nick and Trump, I, I just think the Lakers are a very curious team and they've been better shooting. I think it's been cool to see. Obviously we're in the, the, the final years of LeBron, however long he does play. So just to see them competitive right now, which they never were last season, I think is, is fantastic. They've definitely been a league pass team I zeroed in on because thankfully they've been on national TV less, finally. <laughs> so then, but yeah, I'll take a four and two stretch. I haven't seen the Nets a couple times live this week. Uh, ben Simmons is out. It doesn't really change anything for them. It just gives them more shooting on the floor. That's not shade. That's just noticing that he's still very scared of the rim. Totally get it. <laughs> scared of the rim. I don't, not throwing shade at anybody. No one can come for me. And I'll, t- I'll go four and two. And then let's see the next time we play you guys. What is it? March in Boston. Oh, we got Cleveland March 6th. Do we, do we not come to Boston again? Am I missing? Am I, missing I mean, we've, are, I guess not. Oh yeah. No, I'm looking at the schedule too. Yeah. The only, the only game is at Cleveland on March 6th. All right. I'll gonna, so we've gonna got a little bit of time there. off. So hopefully by that point, you know, we've got, Celtics won caps too at the Eastern Conference. We'll hey, see, we'll, we'll see, see what happens. All right, guy. Closing thoughts on the Celtics, the Cavs, anything before we wrap up? No, I mean, I think Cavs fans have a lot to be excited about. It's a, you've got a great roster this season. It's a tough matchup for almost anyone. You've got the big support. You've got obviously great guards. 
Uh, it's a tough matchup for any team. So it's something that all Cavs fans should be excited. Yeah, and we definitely are. Just got to get Dean Wade back on the court. Keep seeing Kevin Love get his thumb better so he can start jacking up those threes like old times and watch everyone else cook. But for Guy DiPlacido of the Boston Celtics game day recap, I am Zach Weiss. You can find him at NBA Celtics Guy on Twitter right. or head, look up the Boston Celtics. No, no, the look up Boston Celtics game day recap. You know where to find me at across Cavs on Twitter at across the Cavs on Instagram, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, iHeart, look it up for there. We will catch you on Thursday morning as Cavs radio announcer, Tim Alcorn will come in and talk about the first quarter of the season. But until next time, we'll see you later and we'll talk after the win over the Knicks.